1: have to like him but you have to respect him the roy green show continues the roy green show continues
0: on the chorus radio network So let's just say that my email's inbox is populated by opinion about this um, Algerian gentleman suing Canada for $50 million for Canada um, being complicit with the United States in the torture that he says he underwent at Gitmo. Canadian agents getting information from him or about him through the Americans. Canadian officials came to interview me on two occasions. They not only shared information about me with my American torturers, but even tried to get information out of me that had nothing to do with Canada in order to help my American torturers. I refused to answer questions. After that, I was subjected to a worse treatment by the Americans. Algerian man, says, suing the federal government for, this is Canadian press, For abuses, he says he suffered at the hands of American security forces after he left Canada 15 years ago. The unproven allegation by Jamel Amazian, who was never charged or prosecuted, raises further questions about Canada's complicity in the abuse of detainees at Guantanamo Bay, a topic his lawyer said demands a full-scale public inquiry. Why is everybody repeating that line? That is so loaded and so unfair to Canada. Listen to this, the unproven allegations by Jamel Amazion, who was never charged or prosecuted, raise further questions about Canada's complicity in the abuse of detainees at Guantanamo Bay. So the allegations are unproven, but it's quite okay, whoever wrote this, quite okay to uh, declare Canada complicit in the abuse of detainees at Guantanamo Bay. Really. Mr. Amazon also said he, he he didn't really know he could sue Canada until he heard about his friend Omar Cotter. So, yeah. We're going to talk about that next hour. Uh, earlier this week, another terror rampage in New York City is Saifulo Saipov an ardent ISIS follower plowed a rental truck into cyclists killing eight, and pedestrians. Still expressing no remorse. He wanted an ISIS flag at his hospital bed. Who are these people? So I was asking myself, who are these ISIS adherents? Who are the young males and females who've fallen under the spell of such a murderous outfit? And is everyone who is repeatedly exposed to negative messaging, particularly if it may contain a grain of perceived cultural or religious relevance, a possible recruit for violent extremism. Joining me on the program, and we're always uh, honored when he does, is former Lieutenant Colonel Steve Day, the uh, former commanding officer for Canada's counterterrorism military unit Joint Task Force Two. Colonel Day is the president and founder of Reticle Tactical Excellence and Strategic Relevance Reticle Ventures Canada. Um Colonel Day, if I may, thank you very much for the time. And and I've never, I never—I don't know if I said this to you, I must. Thank you for your service to this country. We're less than a week away from Remembrance Day. Thank you so much for what you've done for all of us.
1: Well, thank you, Roy. It's always a pleasure to join you and the listeners. And I'd like to also extend uh, the thanks to all those, those men and women that are still serving Canada, whether that be law enforcement, corrections in the military, wherever they are, Whatever they're doing, I want to extend that as well as an appreciation of what they continue to do on behalf of all of us.
0: Well said. Colonel Day, before I talk to you about ISIS, did you have a, a view, a thought about this $50 million lawsuit from someone who applied for refugee status to Canada, was never given the refugee status? And, and you heard, you, and you know the story. What, what about the, I mean, Nate Whitling, his lawyer, says there's two more uh, people ready to launch similar lawsuits. What do you think of all of this?
1: Well, again, this is a highly complex issue, Roy, and, we're, and we find ourselves again right in the middle of when we open the Pandora's box of offering settlements um, when working through these highly complex 21st century challenges. Sure, you get one, you get many, and this is one of the main reasons why Canada does not and will not uh, negotiate with terrorists because once you start down that path, you've opened yourself up to repeated um, people coming back at you for money, for something that may or may not have actually happened. So it's, it's, it's very difficult. And, um, yeah, this is, this is probably, again, just the beginning of many things that we will see.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so a few days ago on, on Halloween, there was this awful incident in New York City. Eight people lost their lives. They were out having a nice evening, walking, riding alongside uh, the river in, uh, in New York. And uh, ISIS takes responsibility, and the individual who committed the offense or allegedly committed the offense, Saifullah Saipov, uh, he, wa- he expresses his admiration for ISIS. He wanted an ISIS flag by his bed, and he expresses absolutely no remorse for what he did. And, and, and as I talk to people, I get the sense their tolerance level for this type of act is really maxed out now, really maxed out. And and I have to ask myself, who are these people? Who are these people who actually are so fascinated by an organization like ISIS or al-Qaeda that they will join and that they will commit heinous acts in the name of these, uh, these murderous organizations? What, is, is there an well, answer? Uh,
1: well, I don't know if there's one simple answer, but what I would suggest is in, in most cases – Uh, We will find most of these people are um, mentally challenged, um, maybe not the smartest or deepest uh, in our collective gene pool on this planet. And in some cases, we should be thankful that most terrorists and and extremists are not that smart. Because when they start using what we would call dual-use technology, which is what a vehicle is, something that is not meant to kill or maim when they start employing dual-use technology... Against uh, innocence, um, then we start having significant security challenges. So, yes, a lot of these people are. Uh, I want to hit that again. Fortunately for us, to date, just not the smartest people in the world, not the most socially balanced people in the world, and um, that, that's you know they come from disadvantaged backgrounds quite often, and they uh, come from the the lower end of the socioeconomics uh, spectrum. So they're just they're just disenfranchised, and they're looking to hook their their hate train. Any anything so they can carry out and do these copycat heinous crimes.
0: So one of the questions that I asked earlier today is this, is everyone who's repeatedly exposed to negative messaging, particularly if it contains a, a grain of perceived cultural or religious relevance, is is everyone who's repeatedly exposed to this type of negative messaging a possible recruit for violent extremism?
1: No, I I wouldn't suggest to everyone. I think you've got a predisposition to being readily, easily um, influenced. You are probably, by all accounts, not a critical thinker, someone that can hold two or three different opinions in in your mind at the same time and work through them. So, uh, like I said, if if you look at even just the mass shootings in the U.S. as a general rule, they're almost up to basically one mass shooting a day in the U.S. So this is not only a terrorism or extremism problem. This is a, a situation across Western society where we are having a hard time having civilized dialogues and um, being able to disagree without being disagreeable, if you will. So this is this is not unique to terrorists or extremist elements. We are having a significant challenge in the 21st century having, having dialogues about those things that we disagree on.
0: I was thinking last night about the uh, interview we were going to do today, and, uh, and then it, it occurred to me that, we have 60 – roughly 60 members of ISIS or ISIS-type groups who are back in Canada now and they might have been on the front lines of conflict in, in Iraq or in Syria, certainly in Iraq. They may have actually – could have had a situation where Joint Task Force 2 members would have been fighting Canadians who, who joined ISIS
1: absolutely and this is the, uh, the the what what we're finding are these homegrown extremists who've gone offshore somewhere to get battle hardened or to get some experience and come back home and then seed uh, those terror plots against us like that is absolutely a threat it is a significant national th- security threat to Canada the authorities are aware of it but again i think as you and i have spoken many times we are just uh, grossly under-resourcing our intelligence, law enforcement, and military capabilities in this country. So they cannot possibly follow every lead, follow everyone that we know is a challenge, because we just don't have the, the resources to do it. So what's, what's interesting now, as the, the so-called Daesh caliphate crumbles in on itself, which, which we all knew it would, quite honestly, where is it going to pop up next? Where is that hydra Going to pop up. I would I would not be surprised to see North Africa in particular start to get hotter than it has been for a while. So that's just one more example. Once you defeat it or start to degrade it in one location, that Hydra monster will pop up in another location. It's, it's like the nature a, of, of extremism.
0: It's like a metastasizing, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. Which which is why it's it's unfortunate. But when we start coming up against these terrorist and extremist elements, ideally we wish to to capture those folks, but sometimes you just need to kill them, because they are not people that can be rehabilitated in any way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah. And and in, in the U.K., they are now looking at providing social housing. Uh, British terror subjects, this is from the IB Times, British terror suspects and ISIS fighters will be given council houses and jobs to stop attacks. And I, I, I don't want to be overly cynical, but my response was good luck with that.
1: Well, again, we we come back to you. You look at uh, the British, uh, UK, and and European fractures across their society. They have got a generational challenge ahead of them. Mm -hmm. Like it is a significant problem in Europe.
0: Colonel Day, hold on, please. Want to come back and talk to you about what Canada, in fact, can do? What we could do if we're so you know we're so significantly underfunded, as Colonel Day has told us, as far as our uh, intelligence uh, options are concerned, opportunities. Are concerned. What do we need to do? And perhaps also what ultimately will our role be internationally in this battle against terrorism? Because there we don't really have a choice. I don't believe we have a choice. It's going to continue and for some period of time. The Roy Green Show is the Chorus Radio Network. We're back after this. Compassionate, caring, and cuddly.
1: This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network.
0: Maybe it's, just, uh, maybe it's just me, but I, it seems like there are a lot of these stories happen on Sundays. Uh, this is uh, in the news now a gunman opened fire at a Baptist church in Sutherland Springs, Texas before being taken down by police, reading from globalnews.com. A witness told local news outlet that he saw a man walk into the First Baptist Church. Around 11.30 a.m., witnesses later told a CBS affiliate that several people were shot during the incident. Authorities have confirmed reports of the shooting and told reporters that there's currently no active threat. County officials told CNN, or a county official told CNN, he was told more than 20 killed and 20 wounded. But that is unconfirmed. Back to Lieutenant Colonel Steve Day, former commanding officer of Joint Task Force Two, Canada's National Counterterrorism Special Forces Unit, Colonel Day. Either way, uh, whether whoever it turns out to be, here's a here's a terror attack.
1: Well, again, as we just happened to talking to you before the break, these incidents down in the U.S. in particular, um, at different scales and scopes are happening daily in in the U.S. Fortunately, we do not have those challenges here in Canada because those active shooters. Are extremely those lone wolf attacks are, are almost impossible to stop in advance.
0: That's a it's a horrid horrid reality because you never it, know it is, you never know where the next place is going to be who, who the next victims are going to be and that I suppose is the uh, the appeal to the people who are who are committing these acts, Colonel Day. You, you mentioned what uh, what what we that we're underfunded as far as our intelligence um, capabilities are concerned. What what does Canada need to do? What do we need? What has to be um, uh, devoted or, or, you know, given to the uh, intelligence agencies? And what is our role going to inevitably be as far as fighting this war on terror is concerned in the years to come?
1: Well, again, what what I would like to see, first of all and foremost, is that we as a nation and we as a people with our values – must maintain the moral high ground. We must never sacrifice our moral position because, quite honestly, by doing that, we put those same men and women in an ethical dilemma or a morality dilemma that then causes them PTSD or operational stress injuries after the fact. So whatever we do, we need to make sure that we're going to fight these extremists, these criminals, these whatever they may be, on a moral plane that keeps us above that. Secondly, I think it is critical that in this country we take we get serious about what's going on in the 21st century. We put in place a legislative framework which empowers at the lowest level those law enforcement, military, intelligence agencies to get in front of the threat and stay in front of the threat. Uh, thirdly, we got to resource them correctly. When I say resource, I say the, I mean the right diversity of people in these agencies with the right education and the right knowledge set to be able to make informed decisions. So we don't end up with these situations where we've got people suing us for tens of millions of dollars after the fact. Because I think one of the one unanswered questions, Roy, is the folks in the early 2000s, those bureaucrats who put these Canadians or so-called Canadians behind bars, um, what's ever happened to them? That would be my question. And lastly, we need to create a true interagency response in this country that pairs up the best of your intelligence, the best of your law enforcement, the best of your military special operations capability, and get in front of this and attack the network, take the network apart, and then do everything we can to safeguard uh, Canadians and our Canadian life.
0: Why haven't we done that?
1: Well, I think uh, we have not done that to date because here is the flip side of living in a great country like Canada where we don't have the proximity of the threat up against us every day, right? We live in a great nation. We live in a very safe and prosperous nation, so luckily security is not always front of mind. So so what is then is those those resources don't get applied to, to that problem because it's not front of mind for most Canadians. But I will tell you, as we move forward in the 21st century, if we get a terrorist or extremist or major criminal element that can get their hands on a weapon of mass effect or mass destruction, we will be so far behind the power curve with thousands dead, that then you wanted to talk about public inquiries earlier in the show, we'll definitely be having some public inquiries. And I'd like to be in front of those things and not responding to them.
0: One more question for you, Colonel Day. When uh, a new client contacts you at, at your firm, Radical, what's usually the first question they ask?
1: What question do they ask us, sorry? Yeah. Well, they're, they're trying to understand complexity and what it is they can do as either an individual, a team, or an organization to help mitigate... Um, transfer or accept some risk because clearly security in the 21st century is very challenging and security is not an end to a means at all uh, or a means to an end sorry security is often seen as a, a net negative and we at Radical Times show that uh, if you do the right security assessments they're actually net positives or can be a business enablers or individual and family security enablers
0: all right Colonel day always great speaking with you thank you so much
1: Thank you, sir. Have a great uh, Sunday afternoon.
0: Thank you. Oh, you too. Uh, Colonel Steve Day. Uh, My number is 1-800-263-2428. When we come back, we're going to be talking about this uh, 50-year-old Algerian man who was at uh, Gitmo and is suing Canada for $50 million, alleging this country was complicit in torture that he says he underwent at the hands of Americans. What's your view of this? 800-263-2428. eight hundred two six three twenty four twenty eight. His lawyer Nate Whitling says two more individuals are prepared to launch similar suits. fifty million dollars. one eight hundred two six three twenty four twenty eight. What's your opinion and view of this?